Welcome to the Old Chick Snowship Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Arthurton. This podcast is dedicated to helping midlife women step into the inherent power and wisdom of a time of life when they often feel overlooked and underrepresented and even begin to doubt themselves. Each week, we will cover information and inspirational topics along with real stories from real women who are defying cultural stereotypes and perceptions of midlife. Women who are reinventing themselves, starting businesses, chasing their dreams, and tackling challenges they never thought possible. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Old Chicks No Ship podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about intimate pleasure and sex. Um, yes, we're going there. We're going to go deep <laughs> on sex and pleasure. I wanted to have this conversation today because I feel like this is a very, very under not talked about enough within the midlife community. You know, when we enter midlife, so much is changing, like inside us and around us, like kids leaving, life stresses, relationships changing, not to mention the big M and the hormones and, you know, the bodies that we once knew are maybe not the same as they used to be. And that can leave us feeling like really disconnected from ourselves, from our bodies, and ultimately from our sex lives, from our own pleasure. So today we are going to go in and unpack all of that with my guest, who is Janet Williams, a board certified OBGYN and surgeon, who is also the author of a book called Why I Don't Like Sex Anymore, which is, yeah. yeah. Anyway, we're (laughs) going to unpack that. But Also, she is an intimate coach, which we'll get into that, and a hypnotist. So I'm super fascinated about the connection between hypnosis and pleasure. So welcome, Janet. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. So tell us a little bit about why, you know, obviously you're an OBGYN, but what led you specifically to this work of, you know, pleasure for women specifically in midlife, like women over 40? Well, I think the biggest reason was just noticing a trend. You know, as I was trained in my residency program, we didn't really get a whole lot of um, information or training at all on sexual function and, and sex. So despite the fact that most gynecologists know everything there is to know about surgery and bleeding and hormones, when it comes to sex, I just didn't have any information on it. And that's like a huge part of what, you know, people come to see their gynecologist for really, you know, Um, and I was finding in in my early part of my career that people would ask me, you know, questions about libido, you know, things are changing, and I didn't really have any good answers for them. Mm. And so that was sort of the beginning point of it. And even when I talked to my colleagues, the colleagues didn't really have any good answers for me, the seasoned colleagues that had been there for you know years and years before me. And so I started to do some of this work on the side to try to figure out, you know, what to do and how to help people. And then I had some of my own challenges in my early 40s. I went through some fertility treatment and which was unfortunately not successful. And after the fertility treatment, I just had such a drop in my desire, my libido and was in a really bad space. And mm. it's there that I started doing some of the a little bit more aggressive work for my, myself um, and found some solutions that were inside of medicine as well as outside of medicine that were very helpful for me. I love that you approached it from the medical standpoint, obviously, because that's your training. But I love that you started looking outside of that, because I feel like 
sometimes, you know, and I've had this experience with my own OBGYN who was a male at that time, and now I'm a female one, but it was kind of like, you know, okay, first of all, like you said, limited information. And if it wasn't this, then well, sorry, there's no help for you. Right. And that was kind of like, wow, it's just, it felt very dismissive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shall we put it that way? Right. Yeah. And that, okay, well, I guess this is just the way things are. And, you know, your work basically is showing people that, wait a minute, this is not <laughs> how it's it not. has to be. And you yeah. do not need to resign yourself to the fact that, okay, I guess my sex life is over. <laughs> right. Well, and I remember feeling that way, like not having the answers for my patients. And, and I would acknowledge, I would say, hey, you know, I, I realize that you're having a problem, but I don't know what the answer is for you, you know? So I think there's something in just acknowledging that, that I think a lot of gynecologists say, if you don't, if you don't know, it's okay that we don't know. Um, but yeah. it's just sort of making that acknowledgement for our, our patients and clients. But now there's a lot more research that's gone into this area. There's a lot more information that really shouldn't be an issue anymore. So, yeah. So as you were like, okay, you know, I can't find the medical solution for this. Like, how did you begin to explore outside of the medical system? Like, where where did you start first and what what led you there? Well, you know, I've, I've always been a sort of, broad thinker. So I, I realized there's more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. Um, right. Even within like medicine, there's, you know, some people who have a, like a, you know, straight mind of thinking is this is the only way to do it. But I realized that, you know, everybody is different every person is different. So, you know, and I've seen it within my, my clients that and clients and patients that some treatments work for some people, some treatments don't work for people. Mm-hmm. And some of it has to do with our environment. And it has to do with, you know, the way that we're raised, you know, the support that we have at home. I've, you know, definitely seen that in surgery, for example, certain people heal better than other people, depending on the support systems that they have at home. So there is this concept called the biopsychosocial uh, model of sexual function um, mm-hmm. that is, is, is pretty well established. And that basically looks at like all the areas that are involved with sexual function. So there's biology that's involved, there's psychology that's involved, and then there's our social, cultural areas that are also involved. So when we look at that, even from a purely scientific standpoint of using that model, it does incorporate everything into it. So like, you know, right. you're going to, your mindset is, is involved, and there are studies about how women's body image plays a role in our um, desire and our sexual function. So I started there, you know, just from the standpoint of being stressed, you know, Mm. and being able to utilize some of the like uh, mind body techniques um, to improve your overall health and wellness. So, you know, I I realized that like our body, no no system in our body is in isolation. You know, there's not, you know, one part of, your arm is connected to your brain. So your brain is a part of your arm is a part of your nervous system. And so I have that like realization that a lot of times we in medicine somehow segmented it out and it just makes no sense, you know? And yeah. so the, your approach to health really just need is an approach to your life, like your overall wellness. So that's where I started. Yeah, and that makes so much sense because we are bodies and minds and you can't separate them, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. 
So let's unpack each one of those a little bit, because I mean, obviously, the place where most of us start. So, you know, we get into perimenopause, menopause, things are definitely changing. I mean, I know I definitely went from to the place where I'm like, if you even look at me sideways, I'm going to run away. <laughs> I want nothing to do with this, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and the first step, obviously, is to go and, you know, what I did was like, you know, go to my doctor and be like, okay, this is what I'm experiencing. Like, is this just going to be the rest of my life? And I think so the first line of defense often is hormone replacement therapy. Am I right? It is. It depends on what you're experiencing. though. So it, that's one of the tools in the armamentarium, so to speak. But it, yeah. it, it really depends on what you're experiencing because not everyone, again, it's, there's no one size fits all. So it depends on what you're experiencing. You know, some people come in and have hot flashes. That would be something to be addressed with hormones. But some people come in and they, they've got difficulty sleeping. And so we've got to figure out why there's difficulty sleeping. Sometimes that is because of hot flashes. But, you know, so it really depends. It's, there's no one size fits all for everything. So if anybody listening here is like, okay, I probably need to address this. So first of all, I think we tend to let it go a lot longer than we actually should before we address it. Do you find mm -hmm. that with your... You know, because it's not oh, sometimes, sure. like, yeah, not yeah. comfortable necessarily talk about with your doctor or even necessarily with your friends. <laughs> right. So, yeah, definitely. It's like there is a stigma around sex and sexuality in general, and especially for, for women. You know, patriarchy yeah. is a thing, you know, and thing. so anytime it comes to a woman's like sexual function, there are so many limitations. We even have censorship on the word vagina. Like, you can't, you think there's so many things that, culturally we're just not there yet and i think that i will say this that like a woman should be comfortable as comfortable with her hand as she is with her vulva and vagina like being mm. that comfortable is where we need to to get to you know yeah. so i i just kind of want to dip back to your question initially like you had mentioned that you went to your doctor so what did you go to your doctor and say so basically it was well during the my perimenopause and I mean I got hit by a it was like a two by four to the head for me mm -hmm. where I had the hot flashes, heart palpitations, wasn't sleeping, you know, like crazy insomnia, vaginal dryness, like you know, irritation, like all the things, mm -hmm. right? And, you know, the first thing he said to me was, Oh, okay, well, we just need to get you on some hormone therapy, which for me was a very bumpy ride, shall we say, it wasn't the panacea that I was expecting it to be. And it didn't solve all my problems at all. Mm -hmm. Right. In fact, it solved some of them, sort of. But okay. to, to what you just mentioned, you know, like, everybody is different, and everybody responds differently. What I was just say, so I told him, and then at the very kind of end of my like little diatribe to him, I was like, oh, and I have no interest in sex. And then uh, that was like, <laughs> the thing, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which felt really uncomfortable, first of all, even saying to a man. <laughs> right. Well, I, just for informational purpose, I'll just kind of put it out here just so that people have an understanding of what happens in perimenopause and menopause. Yeah. Just a, a quick little thing. Yeah. Um, yeah in perimenopause, the hormones in your body are fluctuating, fluctuating like cuckoo bananas, right? And so that's where we'll see a lot of changes in menstrual cycles. So sometimes people will have heavy periods. Sometimes the periods are non-existent light and they disappear. And that's really related mostly to the hormone estrogen. And so estrogen fluctuations, when you have estrogen levels that are low, it can lead to hot flashes. 
estrogen is important in how our brain regulates our temperature. And it tells us, it helps to tell us, you know, you're hot, you're not hot. And if, if it's telling us that we're hot and we're, you know, even though the temperature is the same, our body is going to adjust to help to cool itself yeah. off. And that's why you get those hot flashes that are occurring. And so, you know, the palpitations that you have are actually a part of the hot flash. So you're having palpitations because your body is increasing the heart rate to help you to like get the blood flowing so that you can sweat, basically. And so all of this is kind of tied together. Now, you can see like some secondary effects. So if you're having these hot flashes that are waking you up at three o'clock in the morning, which is a time when the, some of the levels are, are different. And so you get lots of people wake up three o'clock in the morning and they may not even feel the hot flash at first, but then that hot flash kicks in yeah. and then yeah. you can't go the hell back to sleep, you know? <laughs> so right. then now your, your sleep is interrupted, right? So now you're not getting good sleep. Then, you know, you're, you're feeling fatigue. Fatigue is going to make you irritated as hell, right? So you're not going to want to deal with or touch anyone, right? Then yep. the estrogen levels are also low that lead to important moisture in the vagina. And moisture in the vagina leads to good lubrication, which is a part of the arousal process. So if you have low estrogen, low lubrication in the vagina, you have sex, it's painful. Now you've got a, a feedback in your brain where like, okay, no, I don't want to have sex because it's, it, it hurts. Who wants to have sex and it hurts? So that can have an effect on your desire and libido. So all of these right. things are like all tied into each other. You know, so if we can figure out where the issue is, we can sometimes, yes, the, the uh, hormone replacement would be helpful, but there may be a different part or piece that we need to address as well. Yeah. And that's why I really want to get to the the psycho and social elements of this as well, too, because these are the two parts I think that are not talked about enough because there's a lot of conversation around hormone therapy and the biological, you know, impacts. But let's unpack kind of the psychosocial elements and how those are impacting it. So we're in this place where like, you know, kids are leaving home, maybe careers are changing, maybe the relationship with our spouse is very different than it used to be. Like, how do we navigate all of that to get back to this place of, you know, uh, intimacy and pleasure? Yeah. Well, what I see for a lot of my clients and patients is that you know, this time, like you're saying, this is a time where, you know, kids are going out to college for a lot of us, you know, you're, there's a lot of transition happening. So there's, there needs to be a little bit more attention to the idea of change and change can be difficult. Change is, mm -hmm. is not necessarily, even if it's a good change, it's change and it is a stress on our, our systems. And then the other piece that I like to mention is that for a lot of women, they're so invested in their children. They're so invested in their families. They're so invested in things external to them. And that's for many reasons. So again, we get back yeah. to the patriarchy kind of thing where it's like, that's what a woman's job is, is to you know care for everybody but themselves. Yeah. And so when we have these moments where, where it's, it's, we need to really turn to ourselves, we're not even sure of how to do that a lot of times and how to like care for ourselves a lot of times. And so right. there's this like, angst that can occur when all of these things are in flux. So yeah. 
Yeah, uh, it's interesting because I mean, I find like a lot of the women that end up in my community as well, too, is like we're so disconnected from ourselves, mm-hmm. like physically, mentally, and emotionally, because we're so busy doing everything for everybody, taking care, so you know, making sure everything is okay. And then all of a sudden, you know, like the demands on you maybe are less, like your kids have gone now, you know, maybe your career's on autopilot. And you turn to yourself and you realize, I don't even know who I am. Like, that was so true for me. I'm like, I have no idea who I am. I have no idea what's important to me. Because honestly, I haven't thought about it in 30 years. (laughs) Yeah, no, you've been invested in uh, people that you care about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a a tough, I have, I've got clients who, you know, when I turn the question on, like, what do you want? A lot of people don't know what they want. So true. You know? We have to learn that because it's inside of us. It's there. It, it exists. We're born with it. It's something that I call the divine, our divine ember. We all have that sensual connection. It's our God-given right is what I believe. And it's it lives inside of us. It's just a matter of like finding it and bringing it out. We all have it. Yeah, because I think too, I mean, the things that you used to, especially like maybe you know, over time, sex becomes a bit rote with your partner. There's a certain way of things just play out that way. And then everything changes. Your body is not the same. And now what used to work for you no longer works for you. And now you're kind of left floundering to figure out that, okay, what is this new body? (laughs) And like, Mm -hmm. how do I navigate what actually works for me, you know, in that department? Yeah. And then finding, so a lot of what happens with, you know, long-term partnerships is, novelty is is needed you know so we need something new we need new ways to kind of reinvent those monogamous relationships and that sometimes there's some limitations in what our mindset is and what we believe to be shameful and not shameful and what does it mean to be a menopausal woman right so you know there's a lot of shame around our age which is crazy because my mom used to always say like and she, she's still living, but she always used to say in the past, like, every birthday is a blessing. Like, alternative is not a good one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have to figure out ways to reframe that and, like, understand that aging is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, we think about ourselves as an older woman. There should be pride in that. And that's something that a lot of us have to yeah. learn, relearn, you know, and we retrain the way our mind thinks about that. Yeah. And I love that you brought up shame because, and you mentioned this kind of in the beginning of your book, where the cultural messaging about sex to women is, you know, we have to look a certain way. We have to show up a certain way. We must always, you know, want to have sex with our partner. We must always like, you know, (laughs) be like, you know, completely enamored with our partner when the reality is like life gets in the way. And then we get to this place where, you know, it's like, okay, I really don't even want to think about sex. I definitely don't want to do it. And then there's a shame associated with the fact that, oh, I'm not, you know, it's difficult for us to say that to our partners. Right. Like, you know, or I'm not fulfilling my duty (laughs) as a woman, which really, I mean, in all honesty, it's the messaging is ridiculous. But that is what we absorb, like consciously and unconsciously, like consciously, we might reject it. But subconsciously, it's like those seeds are in there and we can't help it. 
So how do you counsel your clients then to start kind of finding that novelty or figuring out what's different and what works for them? Like, what is the process or do you have a process that you take people through to help them in that discovery? Okay, yeah. So definitely there's a process. So I start with a kind of evaluation basically to kind of see where the client is. So we kind of see what area of sexual function there they have what I call intimacy congestion in. And so mm. there's a, a number of like questionnaires and things that we go through. I get a pleasure function history. Um, so we kind of go back and kind of see where things started. And then we also see where you are. And then that's how we kind of target what we need to sort mm. of work on. Right. And so right. everyone has like, most people have a physical and emotional component to their issues. And so we look at what those physical components are and, and work with them to let them know, you know, what options might be available so that they can go talk to their uh, provider. Because as a coach and hypnos- hypno- hypnosis professional, I don't actually function as a gynecologist for those clients. Oh, okay. I okay. Um, work separately with patients and then I have coaching um, and hypnosis clients. And so with the coaching and hypnosis clients, I will, you know, work through any medical issues so they have an understanding of what the med- medical side of it is and they can you know, communicate really well with their, their uh, providers to you know deal with that side of it. And then we get into the mental side of things and we can do hypnosis to break habits that are getting in the way of their physical pleasure. Um, sometimes people have, you know, issues with pain or previous trauma that are getting in the way that are now surfacing that have just kind of been in the back burner. So those those things are kind of coming up now, so we can work through those things. Pelvic floor tension, we can work on relaxation, stress management. Like there's just pretty much anything that we, we are dealing with on a subconscious level, we can work through that to kind of release and clear those areas of intimacy congestion. It's really amazing what can happen in just a few a few sessions um, to kind of clear those blocks up and open up the portal, so to speak, for uh, right. pleasure. A big part of it is learning how to own your own pleasure. So mm-hmm. finding out exactly what pleases you. You know, like you were saying, there's some things you have, you have your like go-tos, right? <laughs> so there's a couple things, you know, like I know when I do this, this is going to be the outcome. But there's actually, for most women, more options. You know, there's more options than the one or two things that you were doing with your partner. Um, and sometimes we rely so heavily on our partner to do the, you know, the one move that he, that he does. <laughs> but like when we like get rid of that shame, when we get rid of the shame and then come into an understanding of what's going on in our bodies. And there's a shift that I see happen with my clients when they get to a point where they accept and love, not only accept, but truly love their bodies and say, it just turns something on mm-hmm. inside and then you're able to tap into that divine ember that, that lives inside of all of us. And it's pretty incredible. Uh, I love that you just brought this up because I think like body image affects pretty much every aspect of our lives. And I actually just did an episode on body image a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. that was just released. So the link between, you know, obviously our pleasure and our bodies is like when we are like, I guess, becoming like overly 
conscious of our body. Okay, it's changing. It doesn't look like the way that it used to. Wrinkles, you know, maybe I've gained a few pounds. Things are sagging, like whatever that looks like, right? And we're in our heads. Is that really the thing? Like we're in our heads about our bodies or maybe we're in our heads about you know, vaginal dryness, for example, oh, is this going to hurt? But we're, we're actually just not present, right? Because we're somewhere else in our body, you know, mm-hmm. hoping everything is going to be okay. Yeah. So this idea that we can learn to love our bodies in spite of, because I hear this a lot where women are saying, I feel like my body's kind of betraying me in a way, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? That, that we can learn to love our bodies through all of these changes. Really, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, opens the door for us to be able to explore differently, (laughs) think different things. Absolutely. Yeah. That is just a mindset to think that, you know, your body is failing you. Like Mm -hmm. when I think about it, it's, it's nuts because your body is, it has you here. Like we're, it's, you're here, right? You know, my body is not, even if it's, it's struggling in some area, it may be struggling in some areas, some of that is like the environment I'm in that has nothing to do with me and my body. Right. So, right. or maybe I actually didn't give my body what it needed and mm. that's why it's struggling. You know, maybe I'm putting the wrong stuff in there because I have this negative relationship with my body. You're, you're at odds with your body. Like my body has betrayed me, but you're, what you're saying is like, I have betrayed me <laughs> because your body is you. You're, we are one, right. right? So there is something in your subconscious mind. There's something in your programming. And a lot of it happens when you're, we're really young from age one to seven, where we have this programming, be it from our parents, be it from, you know, our upbringing, whatever our upbringing is, that tells us, you know, when this happens, your body is betraying you, you know? And a part of what hypnosis can do is like reset that mindset where mm. we're thinking that my body has never betrayed me. It's like, he, I'm still here. You know, it's digesting my food for me every day. You know, like you don't have to think about the digestion of your food. You just eat the food and it gets done, right? Yeah. So when we get that shift in our mind that we, it turns something on and you come to a point where you love your body and it's like ride or die this is my bitch right now <laughs> like, right <laughs> this is my girl you know what i'm saying like we are yeah. wrinkles and all like those wrinkles represent my wisdom you know those wrinkles represent carrying a child or, or whatever it is for you you know like there is something that can change in your mind i'm getting chills when i think about it because it's like <laughs> You know, like when you have that, it, it's very empowering because then you say to your body, it's like a communication, the same way that you love and care for your children, you can have that same love and care for yeah. yourself where you're saying like, listen, we're going to get these hot flashes and we're going to work it out. We're going to do the things. We're going to change the habits so that we can, we, meaning I, you know, can feel better and have pleasure, you know, and you're going to. And you're going to want to do those things for yourself. It's breaking the, that like toxic relationship that you have with yourself and negative thinking that you have around yourself and turns it like 180 to, to love yeah. for yourself. And it's, it's really a powerful yeah. thing that we all can do. 
It is. And I talk about this all the time on this podcast. You know, we have been taught as women that our value lies in, you know, what we do for other people. Is our body physically pleasing to somebody outside of us and our ability to have babies? And then all of a sudden, when we get to this place of midlife where, okay, you know what, (laughs) we can't have babies anymore, our body's changing. And, you know, maybe our kids have gone off and all of a sudden we start questioning our value. Mm-hmm. right? Like the messaging is so messed up. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. this time of our lives is not about, you know, what we look like or, you know, our ability to have kids. It's about who we are on the inside mm-hmm. and seeing like the gifts, like all of that knowledge and wisdom and life experience has given us tremendous gifts. And our focus mm-hmm. now is about how are we going to choose to use those gifts, right? And so if we're busy being focused on our bodies and what our bodies are no longer, or what we've lost, we're missing the point of all of, of this gift. Like we're missing the gift that's being handed to us. Yeah, absolutely. So to your point, I mean, if we can find ways to be grateful, and I'm a huge proponent of gratitude, you know, for our bodies and everything that it's done for us. Like I think about this all the time that, you know, I'm 57 years old. And for 57 years, my body every day has gone through thousands of processes, right? Like things I couldn't even think about all happening and that I wake up every day and that I have the ability to move and function, you know, like it is a true miracle, absolutely is. And, you know, I am not like, (laughs) unlike other women who have had issues with their bodies. But when I flipped the script on that one, and started thinking about all of the things, like it totally changed my relationship with my body. Yeah, awesome. I love that. Yeah, that's, that's it right there. That is the key. And then you're, you're able to fuel it. You know what I mean? You're able to really like get behind it and be loving towards yourself, you know, or, you know, I'm having a bad day. Like today's a bad day. My hair is, is effed up, you know what I mean? <laughs> Whatever it is, right? you know, but you're, it's like, it's okay. Like we're, we're going to get up, you know, and we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to do what we can do. Um, and the other thing that that does is it helps to bring you into your body, like to physically and listen, listen to your body because mm. our bodies, they tell us stuff, Amen. man, Amen. they tell us stuff. You know, um, I had a client who she, um, was losing a patch of hair right here. Um, and she was, in, she was in a partnership with her husband, but taking care of kids, moving fast, fast, working mom, you know, busy, busy lady, patch of hair, just gone. Not, no, no explanation for it. Um, she found out later that there was infidelity going on in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it's like our butt, we know there's signs that she wasn't consciously aware of, but subconsciously and unconsciously her body was like i'm stressed the hell out you know what i mean and that little patch of hair was her sign but she was not like in tune with her body trying to tell her all of the things it was trying to tell her and so a part of how we're able to like sometimes we lose our orgasm and part of that is like part of that is biological if there's some you know nerve issue or something like that but part of it is our mind is racing, you know, like we're over yeah. here with a to-do list and we're not here in the body, you know? And so it, yeah. it is like crucial that we are able to make that connection and get back into ourselves. Yeah. I mean, this is like, I have now, I'm the one with the goosebumps as you're talking about this because I, yeah. it's like presence is everything. It literally mm. is everything. And I think, you know, 
being present enough in our body and being grateful for it. I think probably one of the best things that we could do for our intimate lives, for our own pleasure, is to love on our bodies. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I've come through a okay. When I was fifty, I found myself divorced, unemployed, an empty nester, and bedridden mm-hmm. with a stress-related illness. And I Aww. knew at that point that if my life was not working for me. And if I wanted my life to be different, I had to show up differently in it. So I started from the ground and started working my way up. And one of the things that I had, I recognized was self-love. Like I was so disconnected from myself that I didn't know who I was. And my only relationship with my body was to beat it into some kind of shape or form that I wanted it to look like. Yeah. Right. Like I had, you know, it was like my body was the stick that carried around my head. (laughs) (laughs) Like basically that's what it was. Right. And I would try and manipulate it into some shape or form. And, you know, recognizing that that was coming from a place of not enoughness, right? Mm -hmm. And having to work my way back through the whole process and unpack that and get into the place of self-love, like that truly, I think, changed so much for me. And it's still a work in progress, people. I think it's for the rest of your life, it's a work in progress, right? But bringing that presence and that gratitude to my body and learning to love myself, I think has Mm -hmm. probably been the biggest thing that has impacted my own pleasure for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny because people are always like, oh, you've got to love yourself before you can, you know, put on your oxygen mask. But like a lot of us don't really like understand what that means. And sometimes yeah. it takes like, you know, that breaking point where you're at your lowest yes. to kind of realize what that actually means. Actually means. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is, that is we'll, so true. We'll jump on that Peloton or go to a like, you know, cardio step course and go hardcore and we're even then we may not even really be in our bodies we're just like you know it's it's a more kind of slower intuitive just presence that you have Mm -hmm. to have to kind of make that switch for yourself yeah. I want to also dig down on something that you just mentioned about orgasm and orgasm changing. Obviously, like there's a biological component to that. But is there, like, how do we, because I hear this a lot, it's like, well, it's just not the same as it used to be, right? And we kind of resign ourselves to that fact and or that makes it not as much fun or whatever. Like, is that something that we just have to accept because it's a biological change of aging? Or is there, are there ways that we can get that back, so to speak? I think that is a yes and a no. So sometimes there is some change that we can't necessarily reverse. Um, But there's things that you can do to improve it, right? So first of all, I like for people to get rid of the goal of orgasm. Mm, Right. Because when we set the goal, it's sort of like it makes it harder to get to the goal <laughs> yeah. because you're trying to get to this goal. So I like for people to make the goal, just being in your body and feeling the pleasure, whatever pleasure it is. That's it. Mm. You know, um, that's your goal is to feel the pleasure. And even in your, like, if I were to rub my hand, thinking about like the pleasure of me rubbing my arm, how does it feel good? staying in the body that's the thing that will lead to more pleasure right Mm. so that's kind of one of the first steps there and then there's some you know biological things supplements and and making sure you're doing or not doing certain things that can be helpful from the biological standpoint blood flow to the area is important Um, and even some like meditation type 
again, mind body, uh, where you're focusing some energy, helping the blood flow things in your diet and making sure that you're getting enough hydration, all of those things help with the arousal process. And that arousal process is how our body responds to desire um, and sexual stimulation. So it's a balance. And sometimes we need some toys and tools, you know, like you get a, a vibrator. There's different ones that are that stimulate the clitoris specifically um, in certain ways. They've done research on them that help with that. Sometimes you need a pow- more powerful motor on the vibrator <laughs> right. to help, you know, with the, the nerve nervous tissue that's not as uh, receptive as it once was before. So all of those things are, are things to consider and help with that um, loss of orgasm. Then there's some, you know, stimulating type things. So some, um, there's not hard research on this, but like CBD oil, there's certain mm. um, serums that uh, may help to increase the blood flow to the area. So those may be helpful for menopausal and perimenopausal women who have that issue. Right. So I think a lot of what you just said is like exercise, diet, like overall health, first of all, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, you know, presence, mindfulness, you know, maybe adding in different tools and techniques, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. those types of things. But I think it's a a process of not being afraid to experiment, I think is what I hear you saying. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, we get into these ruts, like you had mentioned before, we're like, this is my thing. This is how we do it. We switch this and then we go over here and when we you know, but you know, it changed your, our bodies are dynamic. They're not static. And so, you know, we've got to change it up. Yeah. And uh, you also talk, I think about uh, visualization as well too, as being kind of a, like, can you talk a little bit about that? Like visualizing, you know, your perfect sexual experience or whatever it is and like how that works to bring us into it. Right. So if you think about, when you're dreaming, right? Um, you're asleep, you're in a dream. It's real, right? Like it's an actual moment that you're having it. Mm-hmm. And of course, when we're asleep, our bodies don't, you know, move. We have like some things that we're working in a different part of our brain. But if we're using our brain to visualize in a dream, the same thing can be done. And, and daydreaming is basically a state of hypnosis, right? So. Mm-hmm. We're working in our subconscious mind when we're in a daydream. Have you ever gotten in a car and suddenly you're at your destination? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. So you're in a state of hypnosis when that's happening. Right. Right. And so the state of hypnosis you're in is the subconscious mind. And so, again, that the subconscious mind is where we need to make all of these changes to our um, thinking. And so if we can get into a state of mind where we're imagining our dream scenario and the juices are flowing, that can apply to your here and now. Right. So that's like a very a powerful tool that's right here. You don't have to go anywhere. It's not dangerous. You're not going to get an yeah. STD. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm an advocate of that. Yeah, it's, you know, I talk about visualization all the time because it's been such a huge thing in my own life, like basically mm-hmm. having to reinvent my myself and my life and kind of visualizing what I want. And I, I mean, I do mm-hmm. it. It's, it's a daily practice for me, but I actually hadn't thought about applying it to my sex life. 
Mm-hmm. Which is so weird. I'm like, why would I? Okay, I I do it for everything else in my life. Why yeah. did I forget that part? Right? Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's right because you know, in the studies that I've read, like your brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined. Yep, sure doesn't. Right, and it will your body will respond to whatever it is, whether it's a real scenario or not. So, right. hey, why not? But that's interesting. Well, I hadn't actually thought about yeah, that. Yeah, and the thing is, it's like. When we visualize, it sort of changes our our own chemistry, right? And so, and this is what I see with my clients. It's like when we do some work and they start, they use the visualization techniques, we use some meditation, they start interacting in the world differently. And mm-hmm. so yes, there's an attraction that happens where they start calling in and start pulling in the things that, that they actually want to see in their lives. And so it's really amazing and powerful what what we've got going right here. Yeah. It's a completely underutilized, like our brains are so completely underutilized. Like we we're using a tiny fraction of it every day, right? And being able to apply it to these scenarios of your life. And I truly believe you, I a hundred percent believe that when you visualize, you attract things that you wouldn't had you not visualized. I truly a hundred percent believe that. I I agree. And then, the thing is, it's like, it's sort of, again, like when you have the appreciation for your body, right? So it's like you visualize mm-hmm. these things and then there's that, that switch that happens. It often will lead you to the actions that you need to take in exactly. order to, like, you know, create these things in your life. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very cool. <laughs> yeah. So the book that you wrote, Why I Don't Like Sex Anymore. Who does specifically did you write that book for? Was it kind of any woman experiencing? Right. I wrote it for myself and I wrote it for the women that I, I saw as patients that were asking me that question <laughs> on right. a regular basis. Yeah. So and for their partners and helping them, you know, understand what's going on with their bodies and find tools and ways to get back to a better place in terms of, of pleasure. Yeah. I love that your book can really open up a conversation because again, it can be difficult to explain to our partners that like, here's what my body's going through. You know, it's impacting me in all of these different ways. And right now I love you, but I'm really not interested, right? Like to be able to open up that conversation, which again, is not easy when we've had this programming, Mm -hmm. you know, instilled in us from childhood that we need to be, you know, there and ready to go at the drop of a hat. And there's something wrong with us if we're not. Yeah, no, I, I recently created a program that uh, the partners can be a part of. It's called the Sex Compatibility Reboot. And so I, I use that for clients who have gone through one of my programs with me and then they sort of want a little help with, you know, talking and navigating with their partner. Um, so that's something that um, I recently created. So oh, cool. it's, it's needed, you know, and then and in that I also talk about things like ED, like uh erectile dysfunction, you know, to, cause there's a, you know, both sides of the coin will have, you know, some issues. Yeah. And so let's open up those conversations and take the shame out of it. Yeah. Start having good sex again. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's so true. Like it's really too bad that we have all of this stigma and shame around something that is really so natural so and natural. like just a part of every one of our lives. And yet mm-hmm. it's, you know, like it's, you know, let's like, don't talk about money. Well, sex is above the don't, you know, yeah. the don't talk about money. Like don't say um, anything. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's not polite, but 
like we talk about eating, we talk about all of our other bodily functions. So why not this one? Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting. So where can people find out more about your intimacy coaching and hypnosis? And also where can they get your book? So you can go to goodgroove.com. And that's the website and everything you need in terms of you can apply for coaching. You can actually download the book for free at at the moment. So if you go there now, you can get on the newsletter and uh, download the book for free. So goodgroove.com goodgroove.com. We'll make sure that that gets put in the show notes. Okay. Well, this has been a very enlightening conversation. Thank you very much for spending the time with me. Everybody who's listening, go check this out. Go download the book. I downloaded the book. I loved it. Like I said, it's a great conversation starter. It's kind of, it opened my eyes to some things where I was like, oh, hmm, this is interesting. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, and let's start opening up this conversation a little bit more and get rid of the shame. And also, you know, and you said this several times is like, let's love on and trust our bodies. Yes. Right? Say that again. telling us the way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the wisdom of women's bodies is something I could talk about till, <laughs> till the it cows knows. come they know. Our bodies know. Our bodies know. Our Listen. bodies know. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Um, For those of you listening, if you like what you heard today, please give us a five-star rating and review or better yet, the biggest compliment you could give us would be to pass this episode along to a friend, your partner, a sister, anybody so that we can start opening up this conversation and enjoy more pleasure in our lives. So thank you, Janet. Thanks for having me. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Old Chicks No Shit podcast. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give is to share this podcast with a friend, subscribe, rate and review our podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen in. 